Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast, presented by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis worldwide right to your front door. And now, here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey guys, Tennis.com podcast here. It's a two-man show today. Myself, Ed McGrogan, and Steve Tigner will be um, talking a little about the year-end championships. Not Doha's going on right now, but we're not going to talk specifically about Doha. We're going to talk more about the year-end championships as a whole and uh, some opinions about them, whether they're really, you know, really befitting a championship sort of thing that I got from an, a good email question from Jacob Carabell in Washington, D.C. And he wrote yesterday that, um, I'll just read his question out here. He said, I had a question that, that I was mulling over watching when watching Doha. At this point, have Masters and Tier 1 tournaments like Indian Wells, Miami, and Rome eclipsed the prestige of the year-end championships for both men and women? He says, my inclination is yes, and he says that because the year-end championships to him feel too much like an exhibition, a vibe that the tours have created by putting them in places like Shanghai and Doha, and for the men, eliminating best out of five set matches. Uh, do you agree? Is this a problem? And if so, what can be done about it? So I'll let you feel that to start, Steve. And I think we both have some ideas about what we think about it. But I'll let, I'll let you start with your thoughts on that question. Yeah, it's an interesting question or an interesting observation. I had sort of thought about that but hadn't put it, hadn't thought about it in those terms. I think the Masters Series, Masters Cup and, and Doha, I mean, both of the things they have in common, I guess, that are negatives, they come so late in the year, they come obviously at the end of the year, but that feels later and less, because of that, it feels a little less um, important, I guess, than, say, Indian Wells or Key Biscayne or the, or the clay tournaments or even the American Masters, because they're leading into something. You know, they... Well, they into the slam, the big they, events, yeah. They lead into the slams, and the slams are still, obviously, what what most people think counts and what the best players think count. So, but the Masters, the Masters series obviously doesn't lead into anything. It's supposed to be sort of a fifth slam of its own. And I, I guess that is, that's true that if you move this, if you move it around, the, the reason they moved it around is they, you know, to, they played in Lisbon, they played in Australia, they played at Houston, Shanghai, they played at Houston. Now it's in London. Uh, you know, they, the thought was to, to build these tennis communities, build these interest in the sport all over the world, and and also obviously obviously for sponsors to some new markets to 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 um, market to. But but the downside of that, and I think they finally realized that when they moved to London, that the, the tournament didn't have any identity of its own. It had an identity when it was the Masters in New York City, and it even had somewhat of an identity when it was the World Championships in Germany in, in Hanover. Hanover there was yeah, kind right, of a special right. port for that. But um, no doubles lines, if I recall. Just right, like a no doubles sport. lines. They, players came out in the middle of the crowd. Was very, got the crowd pretty revved up. Um, but, but now I think they've realized that, uh, and they've they moving it to London, you know, semi for a few years, and sort of bringing it back into, instead of going, pushing the boundaries of tennis markets, they brought it back to, to you know, a central tennis market, obviously yeah. London. But. Um, yeah, I think you because I think you need both. You need the pl to to make the year on championship. I think what the tours want. I think you need you got to have the players for one caring, uh, uh, caring not just you know obviously I think they want to be there, but treating it as as if it's a really prestigious event or anything. I think that's something I can get into in a little bit. But you also need like you're talking about these these outposts a little. You need the fans to be to for one to be there. 
And that's a kind of a big problem we've seen the last few years. And what you've seen maybe yesterday in Doha is just you have, you know, events that sort of look like regular tour stops in in little bucolic towns anywhere else. But this is supposed to be the showcase event. And that and that image really hurts it, I think, for both for both people watching the event they don't treat it as you don't give it that kind of reverence that they that it demands and then the players there i think that kind of feeds off them too they don't have the you know the energy and you know a crowd can do the when you always talk about whether you whether you go to a sporting event watch on tv there's always something you can say about being there and being in the moment as a member of the crowd and and that just doesn't seem like it's been the case at least in some recent years especially when the men's was in shanghai i I thought last year in london that got a little better. That was a big thing, and Andy Murray's a big reason for that. Yeah, I mean, Doha and the Masters Cup are, should, I mean, there's big differences between the two. Masters Cup, still, most of the guys make it. You know, most of the most of the top guys come in uninjured. They had a, had a surprise finalist last year, Davidenko, um, but Federer has won this tournament a bunch of times. And Whereas the women's, um, it's not that, not as big a deal to the Williams sisters. I mean, you know, they, Serena's only won it a couple times, which probably indicates that she doesn't treat it the way she does, say, Wimbledon or, or um, the Australian Open. But Doha, you know, the Masters Cup, now that it's in London, I think it's, it, has, it has sort of stabilized. And it was a much better event last year, and it was, it was pretty much sold out. And I think it'll be... And it's, it, it's there for a little, a little while. It's there for a while. It had a distinctive sort of look, and, and I think it'll build on that. Whereas, whereas the women's are still, they're going to move to Turkey next year, and we'll see what the crowds are like. They can't get the best players to you know to either stay healthy or i guess just stay healthy for this tournament it just comes i don't know what just comes too too late after a hard year or it's just you know not not prestigious enough for for some of the players um but even when even when the women's you know you can talk about it being in a strange in a, in a sort of outpost like doha but even when it was in los angeles a pretty big market uh in the united states the tournament did did really poorly, even worse, I think, than it does, yeah. does in Doha. Yeah, that's right. Um, the thing, the thing about the the players what we're talking about, what the kind of respect that they give to the event, it, it would be good if it would be ideal. I think if it was universally seen as such a big deal, because I do actually like the way it determines a champion. Like for a one thing about other sports, I always one thing I like to look at them critically is how they determine their champion and we talk when we and there's lots of examples there's college football votes their champion essentially there's sports like the nhl that let practically the entire league in the playoffs after a long season sports like baseball that have a huge season and justifiably have a very small playoff pool so i think the way that tennis does it for these events where they admit such a few number of people after an extremely long season and they play it where it's not single elimination. It's actually a really good way to determine the tourist champion. It's just that it doesn't seem as if becoming the tourist champion, that's just a rung below, maybe several rungs below, winning any of the Grand Slams. So I think to the credit of, of the tours, the, the idea behind a round robin, and tennis and round robin have never exactly coexisted very well, especially as we saw when the ATP tried it out a couple of years back, I do think it's a good way to, to, you know, to determine who was the best player of the year, you know, in a in an instance where you're not one bad day away from being eliminated, like you can be in a slam. So, right. I think the I think both of the tournaments are good. I like the eight players. I like the round robin. You know, it's great to see the 
it's a problem because the women haven't had all the best players there, um, at least not this year. But it's great when you see all the men there ready to play, ready to play that tournament. One thing that I think has hurt the Masters Cup is that Nadal, the either number one or two player of the last five years, has never really been at his best at that tournament. He's never never reached the final. There's never been a great Federer Nadal match there. Federer's beaten him. They they did play one great match in Shanghai, but it was a semifinal. It was a straight sets, and it's not like it'll never be remembered the way Wimbledon final was. That, even, that, even that's, was that's actually an overlooked match. I I do remember that one. I think and Federer really. I remember at the end of it, he really kind of he really knew that it was a. I think he thought it was a very big win for him. Yeah, a, that was a great yeah. match. But but there hasn't been this. Still not what you would call a signature match. And also Federer for a while, and now Nadal has had the number one ranking wrapped up by the tournament. By the time the tournament got started, I mean, there's nothing the ATP can do about that. I would just say the only, th- the main thing, making the Masters Cup seem less, um, less prestigious, not less prestigious, but, but less important to fans or a little bit under the radar is just how late it happens. If it, you know, if it happened somewhere around the U.S. Open, you know, within a month or something, it would, it might be different. But, um, but we'll see. I mean, it's a great event on its own. Yeah, if it was. I think if it was a little after the U.S. Open, you could also, it would almost give more credence to how important the slams are. You could, the, your U.S. Open result practically tells you if, you're, if you would qualify for it. As it stands now, you see some, some players go on little runs just to try to pick up points at events that you know, are fine events, but under normal circumstances, maybe the players wouldn't give as much, as much to but they're trying to just hoard the points here to get in. So it's, and and by that time, like by the time it rolls around, like you said, it's it's just been so much tennis over the years. It's just kind of overkill for both players and fans. Actually, it's a funny time of year. Now, I mean, I like I liked Shanghai. I like Basel. Watching Basel, I like having Paris. You know, I'd rather have those than no tournaments. But by the time you get to Paris, which is a Masters series, and then the next week you go into the Masters Cup, you know, it's fun to watch. But there's also there's also a sense of overkill. Shop Tennis Express for the best selection of top brands with expert service at fair prices. The Tennis Express team is available to help you find the right tennis gear. Shop Tennis Express and find out why their customers call them a candy store for tennis players. Call 1-800-833-6615 or log on to www.tennisexpress.com today. One thing which in the question was mentioned here is about, you know, Jacob says that the the Masters events, in his opinion, just have a, just, just clearly have an edge. Let's forget about if the Masters Cup is done well. He just thinks that the the Masters series themselves are a, purely a better event than the Masters Cup here. And and one thing I I, th- I think about that is when you look at ATP term or lower level tournaments, um, you know, any just you know name a tournament. I think people think that they are, at least in my opinion, those tournaments are sort of strictly worse than the Masters Tier 1 events because they just have a lesser, they're the same sort of format, they're best of three, they're short, they're 64 to, to 32 fields, but they're just, you usually get lesser fields. So when you get into the Masters and all that, you get these incredible fields and everything. And some people, I think, I can see their point in some regards, think th- those are even, can even be better to watch than the slams in a way because some people don't think this, 
the best of five, they kind of get tired of that. The slams, you don't get these immediately, these great matches right off the bat. And I think some people really prefer the way the Masters, there's the slam and there's the Masters. They're kind of two different things, really. It's not like the slam is, or the Masters are strictly worse than a Grand Slam because of how little a field. I think some people have really taken to the Masters series concept of a great field right off the bat and just, you know, you, you know you're going to see great matches all around. And maybe that's why you know, it, it, they've been, they've gotten this elevation in people's minds. And it's just, oh, yeah. Most people are crazy. Anybody who thinks the Masters is better than, <laughs> better than a Grand Slam. I mean, I like the Masters series, but, but there's no comparison mm-hmm. to, I mean, to my mind. Um, it's, I would, I, I, the only thing in that a lot, because a lot of people have, have talked about the harder to win factor. That's something you always see coming up is like, is it harder to win a week long Masters event? I don't know what harder to win means exactly. You still have to, you win. Matches against the same players. I don't know what, and every if everybody has to win, if everybody's under under the same format, how is it harder? I don't understand that concept exactly. Being harder to win, maybe it's maybe it's physically a little tougher, but right. the, the, the turn around five time. versus turnaround. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, I don't. I know he, the person in the question mentioned that the three making these tournaments two out of three, like the Masters Cup. Uh, hurts it. I don't think that's true. I think it was good to make the Masters Series finals two out of three because, because you know, Federer and Nadal kept playing. The reason it was done was in 2005 they played a, those two guys played a bunch of three out of five set matches in a row in the spring, and they were two. They, neither of them could make it to Hamburg, so they so they decided that that was too much. If those if if that kind of thing was going to keep happening, so I don't think it's I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to have gone to two out of three. Three keep the slams three out of five, and that that keeps that special. But there is. The aspect of the round robin is does make it seem a little like an exhibition. It does give a little edge to the Masters series because you know if you've won a Masters series event, you um you've really won a tournament. You haven't been beaten once. You know you can the fact that you can be beaten once in the Masters Cup and then still win the tournament it just does make it a little weird. Yeah, and it's hard to say. It's harder to just you know I don't know what it is, but. There's something that the person didn't quite do what you normally do in a tournament. Yeah, I, and I would be amenable, actually, to, even if they admit this would be a little trickier to do, but a lot of times in Masters and Round Robins, you see so many people advancing because of tiebreakers, because there's just so there's only three matches they play during the week, and you see a lot of tiebreakers go to like sets one, even games one at some point. I, so I would even be open to having maybe like a 10-person draw, like where you... Well, you kind of let the record speak for itself instead of playing for, I have to win X percentage of games to get ahead of what this player did. It's kind of like running up the, like getting at the points edge, like running up the score in football. It's just sometimes, sometimes there might be just too few in a way people that are in these events, but that, that again is kind of a, just a personal thing. So I, it's a good way to do it the way they have now, but I wouldn't want to see it become like a huge 16 person four round robin thing. But I, Top ten might be a good way to make a little barrier point, but right. yeah. So, and uh, like I said, Doha going on right now, and we'll get to that later in the week after a few of more of the round robin matches have been played. It's just past day one now, and um, day two right now is going on. So, when that gets toward the uh, later rounds later this week, we'll be back, and I think Pete Boat will be back to join us as well from uh, a little sojourn. So. That's it for now. For Steve Tigner and Ed McGrogan, thanks for listening to Tennis.com Podcast. You've been listening to the Tennis.com Podcast, presented by Tennis Express, the tennis industry's retailer of the year. 
For more news and information, head over to tennis.com. Thanks for listening.